This is the South Florida Tech Podcast, a weekly show where we bring you the awesome, innovative people building our South Florida Tech community. Each week, we'll introduce to you one of the Sunshine State's top business, startup, or tech leaders. Learn about who they are, what they do, and have some fun conversation along the way. Our podcast sponsor is Emerge Americas. Each year, global enterprises, disruptive technology, and elite startups are highlighted at Emerge's premier tech event, Connecting the Americas. The event is held in Miami Beach, which to date has hosted organizations from over 40 countries and featured over 250 speakers from around the world. Emerge Americas is transforming Miami's tech hub by connecting entrepreneurs, investors, leading business executives, and decision makers. We are very lucky to have one of the uh, driving stakeholders in our tech industry here in South Florida joining us. Uh, Raul Moas is the program director uh, for Miami for the Knight Foundation, uh, where he leads the foundation's work in investing in Miami's community of entrepreneurs. Uh, Before that, he recently had served as managing director of Miami Angels, Florida's largest angel investment collective, uh, and brings together exceptional entrepreneurs and accredited investors to fuel the success of our South Florida startups. Uh, He also previously served as executive director of Roots of Hope, an international NGO focused on youth empowerment in Cuba, where he led the creation of programs like Startup Cuba. Uh, But amongst other things, he is a wonderful fellow, a great dad, and a you know good old guy that we could uh, you know bother for a few minutes to share some insights with us today. So thank you so much, Raul, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I just put two and two together that I'm having a conversation with two Joes. <laughs> and the great dad, I really appreciate that. But my wife and I were chatting today, and I, I think we came to the realization that every time my son or our son has been like seriously injured, has been under my watch. Um, and so like the whole like dad, that. <laughs> whole father of the year award thing is kind of out the window. Well, your Twitter feed is very entertaining. <laughs> yes, very much so. Always recommend it. So, uh, Raul, just to get us kicked off here, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do down here in South Florida. Yeah, um, born and raised in Miami. Uh, I'm, I'm the son of, of immigrants. Uh, my parents, my grandparents emigrated from Cuba in the early 60s, uh, which is a not an unusual Miami story. Uh, I grew up here and... and and, and kind of this is this is home. This is kind of where the heart is. Um, I am a CPA by trade, and so I'm I'm, I'm kind of a left brain number cruncher half the time, uh, and then I'm a conflicted soul because the other half uh, is is always telling kind of my friends like hold up hold up I have an idea, um, and trying to like kind of imagine different futures. Um, and so there's like this like tension between both sides of my brain. I, I practiced like, public accounting for a couple of years, but ultimately decided it, it wasn't for me. And that's when I I ended up kind of heading over to Roots of Hope and Miami Angels. And, and I discovered a couple of things about myself. One is I love to build things. I, I love to kind of create and, and build uh, concepts and ideas and teams and organizations and products. And the second was that I really enjoy matchmaking. I enjoy finding kind of like the needle in the haystack founder and entrepreneur and the great capital, the great investor and saying, oh man, like you two would be really great together and bringing those folks uh, in, in, in concert. So that's kind of where, um, where kind of my journey has led me to this point where, where I'm able to um, I'm in a really awesome privileged role where I'm able to, to invest in my hometown and the growth of, of our startup and entrepreneurial community here um, and use both kind of sides of my brain, right? In, in some ways, the, the number crunching is helpful. And in, in other ways, being able to imagine kind of the plausible possible futures is, is really, really, really helpful. That's super cool. I mean, uh, that sounds like a great kind of evolution of balancing the two sides of your brain and, and getting to that point. 
So, I mean, you've led some really cool initiatives and organizations, Roots of Hope and Miami Angels. And I'm curious because, you know, there's a there's number crunching, there's community building, there's people building in, in both of those previous roles. And I'm wondering how those experiences impacted you in the current role with Knight and how it kind of let, you know, helped you do what you're doing now. Oh, man. Um each in their own and very different ways. I, I give a, a ton of credit to, to Roots of Hope and, and the founding team there, the, the founders of Roots of Hope for allowing me to, to kind of kind of iron out some of the really kind of rough edges and kinks in, in my leadership style there. I, I look back on, on my time and I'm really proud of the work we did, but I also recognize, man, like I was, um, I grew a lot. Um, and, and so uh, folks like Felicia Gorota from Emerge Americas, Tony Jimenez, uh, Veronica Valdez, uh, they kind of saw something in me and said, oh, this, 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 this kid is rough and he can't grow a full beard. Um, but, uh, but there's something interesting there. Let's invest in him. And they, they entrusted me with their firstborn, technically with Roots of Hope and, and leading that organization. Um, that that kind of got me hooked on the idea of, of, of business as, as a driver of impact. And so Roots of Hope is, is, a, is a nonprofit social impact organization. It's a 501c3, so it's, it's legally a nonprofit. But when we were there, we kind of realized we can't be dependent on, 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 on nonprofit charitable giving in, in perpetuity. And so we tried to align our purpose, our charitable purpose, our social impact mission with business. And, and one of the things that we did and continue to do is facilitate family reunification amongst the Cuban diaspora, so helping Cuban Americans connect with their heritage, connect with family that maybe they haven't seen in 50, 60 years. And so we set up a, a, a travel company. We set up a travel company that would help Cuban Americans navigate the complexities of, of US law uh, in traveling and visiting uh, the island. Um, and the margins that were generated out of that travel business, which had a social purpose and social impact, then fed and sustained the nonprofit up on top. Mm -hmm. um, and so at Roots of Hope, it was, it was really kind of an exercise in, in, in ironing up uh, novice leadership kinks and, and, and growing as a person. Um, it was in, um, in iterating on business models and how does it sustain and grow uh, an organization that you want. And I think that got only kind of further accentuated at, at, at Miami Angels where we were connecting, literally connecting, bringing together investors who were seeking to support seed stage companies, uh, most of them tech or tech enabled and, and early stage entrepreneurs. And so we're really focusing in on like, what, what do entrepreneurs, what do founders in the market in Miami and community really need? What are they asking for? Um, that absolutely informed kind of the, 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 my worldview at, at, at night, which is to say that the hard infrastructure of a community of an ecosystem, a startup ecosystem, the capital and the talent are imperative. Like those are absolutely essential. But I don't think we talk about the culture enough. We don't talk about the giving, about the give first kind of mentality if you subscribe to Brad Feld's uh, kind of bolder thesis, how founders relate to one another. Uh, do the both Joes on this call have other Joes, have other founders that can relate to the high highs and the low lows of the entrepreneurial journey? Um, I think what I heard a lot from founders when I was in, in, a, in my majors in our portfolio was like, this is hard. And it's lonely and my own family wants to know why i'm a masochist like my spouse wants to know i'm not home with the kids or why my parents want to know i'm going to get a real job like really founders are, are most related to and related relatable by other founders so like founders can understand the, the journey better than, than most other folks can and so creating communities of peer support creating communities that are of by and for founders that really came out during my time at miami angels and it kind of has translated into some of the work we've done at, at night today Man, you make it sound so glamorous. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not glamorous. Being a founder, I mean. <laughs> Definitely not glamorous. No, a lot of high highs and low lows to, to yeah. quote Horowitz. 
Yeah, I will quickly, I know Joe's got a question. I, I quickly will say our, my first introduction to kind of seeing other founders pitching was when you were at Angels. So we joined a pitch night and uh, we pitched like to a pre-board. We didn't make it to the real pitch. And then we got invited later on as potential uh, Angels. And then I just watched on Monday night, I watched the current virtual pitch night and wow, there were some really impressive entrepreneurs. I was like, man, I'm happy I'm not pitching right now. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that stood out uh, pretty solidly to me there is you, you shared over time that you figured out you love to build things. And obviously, you know, with Knight Foundation, you get to be a part of so many, you know, incredible uh, initiatives, but how would you say your mindset has really changed on investing in businesses or organizations, I guess, in, in, in your, your current role from like several years ago? I mean, you've obviously been at night for a little while. You've seen how some things work and some things don't. But how, how has that mind shift really changed how you operate today? Hmm. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very much kind of a, I think this, this, this business of entrepreneurship is very much a people business. Um, it's about an, an entrepreneur's ability, not just kind of to build tech or, or, or build product, but to build a team that, that follows her into, into battle kind of day in, day out, and, and kind of is going to be there in, in, the, in the toughest of times uh, when capital is thin, when customers are, are, are maybe not pleased. Um, and so, so leadership and, and team continue to be important. That got honed in on during my time at Miami Angels and, and Transits Now. I think a, a shift for sure has been um, that we're not operators. We are social investors and we're seeking social return. So we're, we're absolutely seeking return on our capital. It, it might not be monetary return. It might be kind of social transformation or social impact, but we absolutely are seeking return. Um, but we are investors. And so we're not operators. So like my, my ability to quote unquote build is, is somewhat hamstrung and that I'm not really getting into the weeds um, as much because we, we don't have the ability to get into the weeds. That's not our expertise. It's like, um, uh, it, it's not where, where, we, where we kind of play, play to our strengths. And so um, I think we're, we're making bets on teams, on individuals who see something that most other folks don't. And, and those are entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs can see something that most other folks miss or attacking a challenge or a problem in a way that that's novel. Um, that's interesting um, because it, it, it allows us to make an investment in that person. So I think we're very much people team first. Um, and then we're, we're, we're able to kind of build on that. Cool. Very cool. Um, so you know, for me as an entrepreneur, Knight Foundation played a, a huge role in why we chose Miami over LA and Austin and, you know, continues to, to be a great partner. So you, you know, and you've seen from entrepreneurs looking at Miami, you know, cause you're, you guys are also like a lot of people come to you guys and you're like, should I start? I'm thinking about Miami. So I'm curious, you know, what are you seeing? Why are people considering Miami? Like what brings them here? And then why do you think it's mm -hmm. the ideal place. And then just to add on to that, why is it the ideal place for entrepreneurs, Miami? And then what's Knight Foundation doing to support the people who do want to come and found their teams here and their companies? Um, so I think Miami is a really unique city. And, and a lot of folks say that about their hometown and, and, and they're biased and unbiased. So let's put that out there kind of for starters. Um, but Miami is unique in that it's, it's, a, it's, it's a kind of globally recognized city um, because of its intersection where geography kind of is destiny in some ways. Um, we sit at a really interesting crossroads between North and South, right? We're not really the capital of, of anything. We're not like the economic center of Latin America, um, but Latin America does convene and meet in Miami. Um, and, and culturally kind of you have this bridge. And so 
um, for folks who are who want to be in the U.S. Um, but also be in a really multicultural, multi-ethnic kind of global city, Miami is is that um, at a really cost-effective price point, right? That's not. Let's also be really pragmatic about it. Miami offers some really cost-effective kind of uh, opportunities for folks who can can afford it, right? I think we have to recognize that there's a huge income and, and kind of wealth disparity in Miami. The inequality is, is rather uh, striking um, and not everybody can afford to live here. Miami is, is cost burdened when it comes to, to housing and, and, and other essential goods. But, but for, for, for investors and for other folks who are, are seeking a balance between kind of the cosmopolitan kind of global nature of New York and a cost effective kind of quality of life, Miami offers a really attractive uh, kind of allure. Um, in, in terms of what we're seeing, the last year has been kind of it's been a cluster, right? Um, let's let's just acknowledge the human suffering and tragedy that the COVID nineteen pandemic has has brought about because it's 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 unimaginable in, in many ways and and and, and horrific. Um, if we can call it a silver lining, I think one of the things that the world's gotten flatter, labor markets have gotten flatter, and and what we're seeing is that more folks are saying, all right, I'm going to opt for quality of life. If I'm going to be kind of quarantined or, or socially distanced for for a long period of time. I'm gonna make a bet on a, on a city where I can have access to green space, have access to cultural amenities, have access to quality of life that, that makes it a little bit easier. And I'm gonna build my company out of there at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing um, some, some investors, some notable investors uh, choose to, to relocate to Miami. We're seeing entrepreneurs make a bet and say, all right, I'll try out Miami for the next uh, year or two or three and, and make a bet on the city. And, and our hope and, and kind of the bet we're making is that uh, we're able to receive those folks and help them find community, help them find tribe really quickly, right? Um, I think if a lot of folks come down, but they don't find peers, they don't find people who can understand the journey um, and who they can relate to, they'll probably end up leaving in two or three years. They'll say, this was a really awesome experience. I loved my time in Miami, but I'm going back to New York or back to the Valley where I have kind of a critical mass of of people who understand what I'm building. And and I think the challenge for Miami today um, on two fronts, very different way, but the same question is how do we welcome people? The first is how do we welcome all Miamians, native born, lifers, people who've been here their entire time? How do we promote an equitable, truly accessible opportunity path for, for folks in town? Miami has, has, again, massive work to do when it comes to equity and accessibility. And then how do we welcome newcomers? How do we welcome folks who are just coming here for the first time and, and maybe might be watching this for the first time saying, is there anybody else building a startup in town? Um, and say, oh man, I really want to be part of, of Joe's community um, and, and, and feel like I'm part of a tribe here. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, hit on how Knight Foundation really operates. Uh, how does, let's say, some of the organizations you've supported before, I think one of the, the notable ones um, you've just invested in is the Center for Black Innovation, which just announced uh, an over $2 million uh, investment from Knight Foundation and several other organizations, which is awesome. Felicia and Derek do a wonderful job uh, over there. Uh, but you know, how does one necessarily say, hey, I want to do something really great for the community. I want to do this thing that can really move the ball forward. How do they go about working with you or you know, some of the other folks at Knight Foundation to really say, uh, one, I guess, refine that idea into something more impactful and two, kind of move forward uh, together with you? Yeah, so we're, um, we're, we're open for business. Uh, the foundation hasn't uh, missed a beat since uh, the pandemic started, and we're going to continue investing in Miami's startup and tech community for, uh, for, the, for years to come. It, the easiest way to get in touch uh, with us is, is either give us a call. Uh, our phone number is, is, is online or drop us an email. Uh, my email is raul at kf.org. 
And so kind of once we, we get in touch and we're able to kind of just talk about what, what uh, the idea or the concept might be, we're able to offer a lot more guidance around whether kind of that initiative would, would kind of fall in, in, in scope for, for us and whether we'd be good partners on that, on that work. I think the, the hard part, uh, one of the hard parts of this job is, is that we say no a lot, um, is that there's a lot of things, a lot of tension that we're trying to wrap, kind of grapple with between radical focus and getting kind of our investment dollars into, into a specific area uh, where it gets us past the tipping point in terms of social change. Um, and then really great ideas um, that then great teams uh, that, that we'd love to see kind of uh, come to fruition and develop their ideas, but that might kind of dilute our impact. And so I think in, in philanthropy and investing as a whole, you have this, this tension, sometimes healthy, sometimes unhealthy, um, between kind of going broad, uh, what some folks would call kind of spray and pray, and, and then kind of going deeper and saying, we're really gonna kind of be, have some sort of radical focus on, on these three areas, because we think we can get these three areas past a tipping point in terms of change and permanence. Um, and so I think there's always that kind of uh, balance and tension that we're, we're reckoning with. Um, but, but on the net, I think we're, we're, we're I hope we're super uh, friendly and, 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 and easy to kind of um, uh, reach out to and connect with. Um, and that when you do come to the foundation, whether we end up working together or, or not, that at least you found uh, kind of friends, uh, supporters, folks who deeply care about what you're building uh, and can at least hand off um, your, your work and your ideas and, 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 and the work that you're leading to other partners in town who might be able to champion it better than we can. Yes, very cool. I love that. It, uh, and that, that is true. And it's tough. It's, it's tough because you want to, you know, it would be great to support everyone, but there always has to be a strategy, right? So smart investing uh, requires that for sure. Um, I am wondering, you know, like in terms of like how you got, you know, what, what are kind of the pillars of your focus right now for building the ecosystem? And how did you decide on those pillars? And I guess I'm wondering, will that also answer like, you know, for the future of Miami, is that, are those the things you're the most excited about right now? Or, or are you going to give us a sneak peek on like, what's going to be the next wave <laughs> of excitement? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of exciting things about Miami right now. Um, again, in, in, the, in the face of a lot of, of, of hardship and tragedy, um, uh, and I want to be really kind of respectful of that and, and acknowledge that because that, that our reality and kind of our Zoom chat here is, 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 is uniquely singular to, to a portion of Miami. There's a lot of Miami today that's, that's, that's hurting um, and that needs kind of attention and, and investment in. And so I think um, I'm, I'm excited about Miami in, on the net uh, because the city, um, it almost feels like we've set like the table for a banquet. Really, like we've been preparing all this time. And, and then all of a sudden, like out of quasi nowhere, um, people are like, oh, Miami, that's a cool place. Let me check it out. Oh, wow, there's community here. So there's a founder on Twitter today who's like, I, he, he kind of said like, he came down to Miami and in the middle of a pandemic with quarantine and social distancing regs, um, he found kind of a, a small, he called it small, but, but really loyal and hungry and honest tribe. And he goes, I haven't felt being, like, I, I haven't felt part of a community that's so honest and so sincere and so authentic in a very long time. Mm. And so I think that's part of the allure. That's what gets me excited, right? I think a capital will fluctuate, kind of talent is a, is a long game, the labor market's a long game, um, but, but we can absolutely invest and control for culture, we can control how we receive people and how folks kind of uh, incorporate into the into the community, um, and so that, that gives me kind of a lot of a lot of hope. I think there's a couple of things that we've been focusing on in the last few years, and that has come really out of out of founders. Uh, when, when when I started in the role, I, I sat down with a, a, a pretty big number of founders and, and continue to, and, and always are guided by community and, and the folks we seek to serve. 
And, and kind of two things stood out. Uh, one was that community, the sense of tribe, sense of belonging was, was somewhat weak mm -hmm. um, and that folks felt alone. Yeah, totally agree. It used to be, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, and, and I think that's not like, that's not like a horrible thing in that, in that like, it's probably just, it, for, for I think the bet we made was like, all right, this is probably a symptom of a really young, nascent community. Mm -hmm. But we kept hearing from entrepreneurs, I wish, I wish I knew other people who were like going through what I was going through. I wish I had other people I could call and relate to. Yeah. So building communities that are of, by, and for founders are, are kind of, is, is one kind of strategic pillar of, of ours. Again, we think founders are the closest to the problem or the fire and the issue, and they know that the issue set best. And so they can probably build for it best. And the second area of focus has been around capital. We think that there's a good amount of private investors in town who would participate in the, the, the tech investment community in, in Miami Angels, Black Angels Miami, Cane Angel Network, Function Collective, but, but they're not familiar with the asset class. Like they want to be familiar with it, they want to invest in it, but they, they kind of need somebody to help them along the way. And so we invest in these investment syndicates, these investment groups and clubs that aggregate capital, right? And there's a huge equity play there because if you didn't go to the right high school or if you don't know the right kind of family office, getting money in Miami isn't easy. And so we really wanted to create kind of public user interfaces. Like, okay, I know where to go if I'm going to raise money. And so really these angel investment groups are the public access ramps, the, the on-ramps for accessing capital in Miami. Um, and, and we've been focusing on making that capital more accessible uh, to, to more entrepreneurs. So those are the two areas that, that we think there's opportunity uh, today. Uh, in terms of sneak peeks, I, don't, I know there's, there's no crystal ball necessarily. Um, I think I would argue that um, the institutions of Miami, um, the, the private markets, the higher ed institutions, just the institutions of the city today are, um, are a lot more invested in STEM, in technology, in the cities and the region's tech and innovation economy in a way they weren't when we started the program at night about seven, eight years ago. Um, and so that might give rise to opportunities that might give rise to, to us to support those, uh, those kinds of, of, of initiatives. Um, but I think it's a really healthy sign, right? So I think if, if the crystal ball is kind of beyond Knight Foundation just into Miami, um, I'm, I'm really interested in the fact that like Ryder, for example, that had been investing quietly in, in startups for a little while has just announced they're publicly investing in, in early stage investments in, in, in the logistics space, right? Um, that uh, Baptist, for example, has hired chief medical innovation officer, a chief innovation officer, um, a chief digital transformation officer. Baptist, a huge health system, largest employer in, in the area is making big investments in, 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 in STEM and in tech and innovation. So it seems like, like we're, we're all kind of rowing in the same direction with more kind of momentum than before. And I think that's a really good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally relate to, to the tribe thing. And like, you know, we're really fortunate to be part of, you know, Endeavor and, you know, the, the, we've been here now for seven years, so I feel like there are familiar faces and, yeah. and we met them early on. There used to only be one co-working space, so everyone went there. Now there's amazing places in addition to the lab. There's also CIC, there's WeWork, there's so many, right? So um, I, I do think having like a digital and physical welcome mat and process is, is so great for founders. Because for me, I think of all the people who I met who were great and ended up leaving. Uh, they were like, yeah, I just, I couldn't find my footing, my tribe. I loved it there, but I didn't find it. And I think part of that actually con contributing to that is, you know, Miami is pretty vast. It's really spread out. So, you know, wh what, what do you think in terms of like a hub, like a centralized, like where is the hub going to be? Like, what's the coffee shop we're <laughs> all going to, to, you know, like what post pandemic, obviously, but um, you know, are you seeing interesting stuff in terms of like, you know, cause there are people making bets on 
trying to get a concentration of tech innovation nope. in certain areas. Yeah. Um, you're going to get me in trouble if you're asking me to pick my favorite coffee shop in town. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of great ones. No, so I think, listen, I think if, if we can believe that there's secondary and tertiary kind of innovation markets out there, if Austin and Atlanta can have a place at the table of, of, the, of the knowledge economy and Miami can too, then I think that also kind of holds within kind of, within kind of regions. And that is to say, like, um, are there concentrations? For sure, there's concentrations. Do I think it has to be one specific geography? No. And like, the pandemic has kind of proven that, right? Like I haven't unfortunately seen you guys in person in quite some time. Um, and, and we're still able to collaborate and work together uh, in, in, in the face of all this. So um, I, I think that uh, Wynwood has a really awesome kind of vibe that has attracted an interesting kind of folks. Brickle appeals to a different uh, set of, of, of people. Edgewater has a different vibe. So I think there's these different pockets um, of activity uh, and folks, I think the real estate investors are definitely making some geographic bets on, on oh, what's yeah. gonna be hot, 100%. <laughs> Um, but, but in terms of, of where people are, especially in 2020 and beyond, um, I, I think that Miami, uh, is, is still kind of manageable enough and flat enough where, where it's literally flat. Um, but, but manageable for, for folks who kind of live in, in the Gables and work in Brickell, but take a meeting in Wynwood or, or North Miami, right? I think that's viable. Um, and, and then in, 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 I think we also kind of have to recognize like the labor market, it's not like a Dade County labor market. It's a tri-county labor market. So it goes from West Palm down to to Dade County. And so some companies have kind of situated themselves in Broward or the Broward Miami Dade line because they get to play north and south for talent. Um, we'll see kind of how that shakes out in the coming years as remote works becomes more, more permanent and, and more real. Um, but um, but I think I think there's I think the whole tri-county area is is attractive for different people at different life stages. Totally. So one uh, more question just to get back on entrepreneurs for a second. And you know Focusing on South Florida, what problems do entrepreneurs and founders face here in, in nowadays that, that you see? And how can, you know, maybe it's work through night, maybe it's work through some other efforts. How can those sort of things be tackled? So those challenges and those hurdles that we face today won't be here for that next generation of founders tomorrow. Massive existential question right at the end. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> Boom. Uh, no, so like you, you basically just tapped into kind of um, the question of, of the question I ask myself every day, and a lot of us ask ourselves every day, especially at night. Like, what what's happening in the market, and, and what can we accelerate, and what's where's there opportunity and need? Um, need alone is not kind of enough. There's going to be a need in, in a bunch of different areas, but is there momentum building behind a solution for that need or an opportunity in that space that we can accelerate as social investors? Um, my personal take: I think entrepreneurs uh, need access to to community, so they need access to other great founders. Who are, are are honest and authentic, and 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 kind of can support each other's growth. So I think community is is perhaps the most unspoken but critical piece of this. Um, and I think there's some hard things they need. They need funding and they need talent. And so um, I think in both of those cases, the world's getting flatter. Um, folks have been investing in more places outside of the valley, um, and I think that will continue. And there's also more domestic kind of endemic local capital that's coming into the mix. I think that's good. Um, and then when it comes to talent. Um, I think, again, the, the world labor markets are getting flatter. Um, I think the city still needs to make some, some really significant investments. The region needs to make some really significant investments in having more nationally competitive, generally good, or generalist kind of, kind of CS tech talent, right? Um, and so I, I, I'd love to see one or two universities in, in the region kind of make a stake, put a stake, put, put, plant a stake in the ground, a flag in the ground, and say, 
where our focus and, and we know that our relevance and what's needed in the labor market and community is pathways to careers that are that are kind of um, that are kind of transformation proof that are kind of going to last a while uh, in STEM, uh, but also that meet labor needs and the market needs um, and that are cost effective, right? Um, and so I think the, the questions we asked ourselves around automation and kind of how do you retrain or repurpose or upskill the workforce, those are all questions that ultimately, I think existing higher institutions, um, new kind of uh, uh, organizations like WinCode and other kind of skills uh, oriented uh, companies are, are addressing in different ways, everybody meeting their own need. But I think collectively the region probably needs uh, an infusion in that direction saying, hey, we're, we're gonna help kind of upskill Miami on, on the net. And, and the, the play there is gonna be really long. We're not gonna go know if that, if that worked or not for about a decade, um, but we have to start somewhere. We have to start now, right? Um, and, and, and then kind of play with it, tinker with it, adjust accordingly. But, but at some point you have to say, we gotta get going. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think just technology and technology skills are everything. I feel like it's the language of right now and will be forever and ever, if not, you know, so. Um, yeah, totally agree. And, and I think it's great. And, and it is cool to see what's happening so far, but look forward to, to more happening. And also just want to say, I love the idea of thinking about the ecosystem, the culture of the ecosystem, because typically we always think inward, the culture of our teams, of our companies, but really there is also a culture to a whole ecosystem. So fostering certain, uh, you know, things is, is hugely valuable. Um, okay, so we uh, we always, you know, Joe's going to have one last question after this, but we like to kind of wind it down on the podcast with a little rapid fire. Okay. So uh, the first question in that rapid fire is, what is the current, what's what's on your nightstand right now? What are you reading? I have, what's on my nightstand? I have a charger for my phone, a lamp, and I have a book called Beirut. My grandmother is Lebanese. Um, and so I have a book on, on the history of Beirut. Um, which is uh, like Miami, uh, geography is destiny uh, and uh, uh, an eternal city in many ways. Um, but I'm learning about the, the, the literally thousand year old history of a, of a really interesting place. Awesome, awesome. What, uh, what would you say is your most productive time of day? 10 p.m. 10 p.m., all right. Time you go to bed? 1 a.m.? Time you wake up? Mm, whenever the kid wakes up, usually between six and seven. Probably 6.30. Oh, so you only get five hours? Uh, six, six, six hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get it, yep. I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. I also have children who wake me up at all hours. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite podcast? What do you like? All right, you're going to get me in trouble here. Um... A1, actually, NPR has some really great stuff, um, but uh, A1 has some, some, some well, it's a show, but they also kind of put it on a podcast, um, really good stuff there. Sorry, 1A, sorry, First Amendment. Um, Love 1A it. on NPR. See, I only got a few hours last night, I'm already backwards. <laughs> um, and then is there a motto, mantra, uh, quote, what do you live by that keeps you inspired? Um, I think there's this tension within me on, on these kind of, two kind of mantras or quotes. I think one is like, to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, and so I'm, I'm always trying to kind of hold myself to kind of really high standard because I've, I've been given an immense amount of privilege in my life. And I think on the other side, it's kind of like, when you know better, do better. Um, and, and so like recognizing, not just kind of self-care and self-forgiveness, but like recognizing, um, all right, like there's growth to this journey. You're not perfect from the get-go. Um, and, and so um, that along the way, uh, once you kind of others inform you, others help, form you and, and shape you and, and you become more aware 
of, of how you can be just a better human, then that's when you're expected to be better, right? Uh, but there's growth in the journey. So I think those two things are, are constantly kind of guiding, guiding the way. Beautiful. Very nice. All right, and I know we're, we're, we're crunched on time here. So, you know, we'll keep this very short. And that's one little bit of advice you could have to those who are leading and emerging as leaders in our tech industry here in South Florida. Oof. Um, take the long road, take the long bet, make the long bet. Uh, look out, um, look out kind of more than weeks and months, look out years. Um, and if you look out years from now, what do you see? Can you see a cosmopolitan, multicultural, multi-ethnic, more just, more equitable community? Can you see a place where your team, your employees, your family, you uh, would love to live and be? Um, if you can see kind of a better Miami, whether you're directly or indirectly contributing it, contributing to it based on, 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 on your life's kind of mission, um, but if you can see a better Miami, um, that the path is, is up and to the right um, and there's growth, uh, then, then I would take that bet. Right. Um, so I would take the long road, keep the long view, um, and if you can see a future where you're, uh, whether you're happy now and, and can build some more, to greater happiness for you and your teams, um, then then I would make the bet. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Raul, for joining, thank hopping you. on a little bit today. Um, shout out to WinCode, our uh, other sponsor, uh, for those who are looking to dive right into the tech industry here in South Florida. Uh, you can go to wincode.co, learn more about their programs and web development, UI, UX, digital marketing. Uh, shout out to Joe and Yuha and their amazing team there. And of course, thank you once again, Raul, for joining us today. Thank you both. I had a conversation with two Joes. I'm so like mind blown by that. The Joe Joe Show. <laughs> I love it. With Joe. Coffee. <laughs> thank you, Joe. <laughs> See you guys. Have a good rest of your day. Take care. We'd like to thank our producing sponsor, Media Ops. They're the premier global media platform for technical communities with brands such as DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, Container Journal, and Digital Anarchist. DevOps.com, their primary brand, attracts and engages a thriving online community of technology professionals around the world. It is the largest collection of original content relating to DevOps on the web today, featuring up-to-the-minute news, highlighted stories, blogs, and more.